Hi, I'm James Verdier, and welcome to the American Institute of Biological Sciences Bioscience Talks, which is a forum for integrating the life sciences. On the second Wednesday of each month, we discuss the latest bioscience publications. And as a reminder, if you'd like to read more, point your browser to academic.oup.com forward slash bioscience. For this episode, I was joined by Dr. Daniel Cox, who works at the Environmental Sustainability Institute at the University of Exeter. He joined me to chat about a topic that lies at the intersection of health and the environment, and that's the possible role of nature in shaping human mental health. In his study, he was looking at questions like, do those who spend more time in green spaces have a lower incidence of things like stress, anxiety, and depression? And they had some really fascinating results. So let's get straight to the interview. Dr. Cox, thank you very much for joining me today. Okay, welcome. Before we get uh, into the specifics of your article, I was hoping you could give us just a little bit of an idea of uh, your general area of study. It makes intuitive sense that you know nature uh, provides health benefits, but it turns out that this is actually a quantifiable thing. Yes, there is a whole range of studies come out now that have been looking at the role of nature on human health, on our phys- mental health, our physical health, and our social health. And what we're finding is that there's a good, there's consistent consistent correlations between amount of time spent in nature and uh, like measurable health benefits. Okay, and in this case, we're looking at um, mental health specifically. Yes. So what we wanted to do was look at the like what role specific components of nature play uh, on mental health or might might have on mental health. So what we did was we surveyed mental health in around three hundred participants uh, in towns in the UK, and we surveyed the vegetation of around their home uh, with remote sensing data, and then we met we carried extensive bird surveys in their neighbourhoods. Okay, and, and you know, and I want to move into the specifics of of the elements that you measured, but one thing I was wondering is, you know, is the mechanism for this known? Is it known how exposure to uh, the natural environment affects humans' mental health? Yes, of course. So the causal pathways for the way these benefits are delivered have been increasingly well developed, uh, but the the mental health benefits uh, there's like this, the, the the theory is that. Nature, like looking at nature, provides soft fascinations, uh, which allows you to unwind, allows the mind to unfocus and recover from attention fatigue, which is what we commonly get in uh, in modern day life. That sounds like an explanation of what we intuitively understand about being in nature. Yes, I mean there's also uh, a couple of more recent studies that are starting to look at kind of brain function and activity. Uh, and how that might and how that might be affected by interacting with nature. Uh, also, there's, uh, there's studies that are starting to show that uh, within specific specific conditions, that a stress response uh, is decreased if you have greater amounts of nature around you. Okay, and so you were seeking to study this, and you mentioned that you looked at uh, several specific components of nature exposure. Um, what was the what was the reasoning behind looking at specific things rather than you know an overall you know nature exposure metric? Because uh, um, the majority, practically all the studies to date, have looked at nature per se or time in green space, for example, time in the garden or time in a public park, but. Huh, but almost very, almost no one has looked at uh, actually specific components, like specific parts of nature and the role these might play. And the reason we looked at uh, birds and vegetation specifically were, uh, is that uh, birds were like mobile, they're, they're around everywhere, 
and they're like visible forms of nature that people intuitively are connected with and look at. So was part of the problem from some of the previous studies that the nature people have been viewing may not have been as effective as other kinds of nature? Uh, not well. I mean, uh, the like studies have generally considered nature to be like a more of a binary measure. So you're either in green space or you're not in green space. Whereas certainly in the urban environments, well, everywhere, uh, the uh, it's like a lot more complex. You get different levels of vegetation. You get different amounts of biodiversity. We don't know what role. We don't know yet what role that plays. Uh, so it's really kind of the first, this study was the first step to try and unpick that. Okay, so potentially differentiating between a park that's, you know, uh, completely greened over and very naturalistic versus one that's mostly concrete but might be considered a natural-seeming environment. Um, you've mentioned them already, but what characteristics did you choose to look at? So as I said, we used remote sensing data to measure the amount of vegetation in a person's neighborhood. Uh, we took four measures of bird uh, bird populations. So we recorded the birds, the abundance and species richness of birds first thing in the morning, which is when they're traditionally recorded where, by ecologists because they're most active. Uh, so it's easier to get a better idea of the number of birds that are there. But we also recorded them in the afternoon, like around lunchtime. Again, the abundance and the richness. Uh, because this... Well, our conclusion was this is a more likely to represent the birds that people see during the day. No, that's an interesting point. You know, I'm thinking from my own neighborhood at 530 in the morning, it's pretty noisy with birdsong, but I'm typically not up and about at 530 in the morning. So I, I tend not to see or hear the birds. Yes, but it's, it's not just kind of being up first thing in the morning. It is how it's how visible the birds are likely to be as they move around. Because around us, as we walk around, there's a whole range of different act as the birds go around their daily uh, daily uh, lives. Uh, but it's the the more visible behaviours uh, uh, which people which people can see that we think that these afternoon abundance capture that better. Okay, and and just uh, quickly on the remote sensing, I, I, I find it interesting. Was were you looking at uh, satellite data? Uh, so what, what we did was so yes, we used hyperspectral data to measure the uh, normalized uh, vegetation index, the NDVI, uh, and we measured the amount of uh, pixels, which were a meter and a half resolution, uh, that had an NDVI score of 0.2, which is generally estimated to contain vegetation. Okay, so you have your satellite-based vegetation index data, and you have your bird abundance data, and then you went and compared these two mental health measures. How did that work? Yes, so what we did was we used a, well, we rolled out an internet survey uh, where we asked people to score uh, the depression, anxiety, and stress scale, which is a established scale for measuring mental health. And yeah, so we had a so we had a snapshot, so it's cross sectional cross sectional snapshot of the the mental health of these respond of these people, and we also had their address or their postcode. So we had so we had an eye so we knew where they were uh, or where the social level. Sorry, uh, so we could then get a measure of the exposure to nature that they have 
in their daily lives. Okay, and just a quick note for our U.S. listeners, a U.K. postal code encompasses a considerably smaller area and number of houses than U.S. postal codes might, which can be very large, particularly in rural areas. Precisely, yes. So a postcode in the U.K. is estimated to cover approximately 18 houses. Okay, so moving along, um, what did you find? Uh, How did these mental health factors uh, correlate with exposure to nature in various ways? Yes. So what we did was we found a positive correlation between the amount of vegetation in so, around someone's home and afternoon bird abundances and lower levels of poor mental health. Uh, so we found that people are less likely to have depression, anxiety or stress uh, if, if they had more birds in the off, as measured in the afternoon or more, or more vegetation. And interesting, of the three measures, consistently I found this in the different uh, different analyses I've done. Uh, a vegeta- uh, depression uh, has the most significant uh, like association, so it appears, appears to correlate best. Okay, so you do see that correlation between green space and afternoon bird abundance and mental well-being. And I wondered, in reading the study, did you have to deal with any particular confounding variables? You know, I'm wondering if things like uh, the fact that mentally healthy people may choose to live in greener environments, you know, does stuff like that affect the outcomes? For sure. So we, in, the, in the models, we controlled for a large number of uh, socioeconomic variables that may influence or have been shown to influence uh, mental health in, in other studies. So things like gender, income, social deprivation, the population in the neighbourhood, uh, income, education, uh, someone's, how connected someone is to nature, uh, which, is, which is, again, that's another 21, uh, another 21 questions self-obsessed survey. And you find that people who are more connected to nature uh, had also had, it was a significant predictor of better mental health. We also uh, asked people how much time they spent outside in the previous week uh, compared to normal. Do you spend less time, the same time or more time? And interestingly, we found that people who spent less time outdoors than usual in the previous week were more likely to feel depressed or anxious. Okay. And, you know, one thing that was also interesting to me was that the curves are not, or they're not straight. It's not a, it's not a one-to-one correlation between, you know, the amount of green space and, uh, to which people are exposed and, you know, the uh, potential uh, improved mental health states. It, it, it seems to vary. Is there, are there threshold effects in this? Yes. Uh, so I haven't, I haven't talked about this yet, but what we did as a second analysis in the paper is we did a dose-response analysis. So we took like respondents who lived in neighbourhoods with 10% vegetation, respondents near 15%, 20%, 25%. And we did a dose-response analysis. So uh, we, look, we looked at the, as a binary response variable, the proportion of respondents who had poor mental health in each one and then had the binary predictors uh, of like, socioeconomic variables and... Yeah, socioeconomic variables. And then in each model, series of models, uh, we increased the amount of vegetation as a binary response, uh, whether it's like less than 10%, more than 10%, less than 50%, more than 50%. And with that, you can plot a dose response curve to give you an idea or to give you an idea to show uh, at what level 
of vegetation, there is a significant improvement in mental health. And this has been shown to uh, for show some form of causation, like some evidence of causation. Okay, and 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 what what were those levels like at which you saw effects? You know, speaking about the the level of vegetation in a percentage is obviously the you know necessitated by the study. Um, but what does that mean in practical terms? What's a ten percent uh, vegetated area by that index? What's that look like? You know, are we talking about uh, you know people living in small cottages out in the countryside, or uh, is this a city landscape? You know, what what are those like? So this this was done in three towns, so it's an urban landscape. Uh, what we actually found was a measurable decrease in depression and stress at 20% vegetation uh, and a measurable increase in decrease in anxiety at 30% uh, vegetation. And well, so that, that means that, the, I'm trying to picture the landscape, that means that 20% of the area uh, around your home, within 250 meter radius of uh, of your home, has some form of greenery on it that is measurable by the remote sensing data. So, like leaves or bushes or trees or grass or. So that doesn't sound like a challenging bar to hit. You know, if one were to try to implement something like this on an existing um, urban area, uh, it would be more on the order of planting trees and reclaiming, uh, you know, green space that's perhaps unused paved area. And not so much a case of uh, you know recommending that everyone move to the countryside. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, this, these are achievable targets. We actually put, we managed to put some figures on this as well as a rough estimate, very crude. Uh, but in the UK in two thousand seven, it was estimated that seven point five billion pounds was spent on depression, and eight point nine billion was uh, the costs of anxiety. If you manage to save. If you meet, if all neighbourhoods meet minimum levels of greenery, according to this analysis, you can save potentially save half a billion uh, in uh, for depression, and I think it was like two point three billion uh, on anxiety, which is huge amounts of money. So this sounds like it should be a huge thumb on the scale in favor of increasing urban green space. Um, you know, if you can find a way to convey the usefulness of unlocking that value in terms of mental health savings to those who are doing the planning. Yes. I Nate Birds and Nature in general provide a really uh, cost-effective way of treating uh, poor, poor mental health, of, treat, of improving them, like making cities happier, healthier places to live. Uh, and, and is there any evidence that thus far that this is being taken to heart at all by any managers? There are lots of different now, I and mean, there are different schemes. There are different trials around, uh, but certainly, kind of in the UK, you've got problems. I'm just talking the media of them cutting uh, uh, funding to green spaces and maintenance of green spaces. Whereas now, uh, certainly with the rise of um, mental health issues in in urban areas, we really need to be investing in our green spaces. Okay, so it seems like a lot of progress has been made in terms of looking at nature as a medicine, establishing uh, something of a dose-response curve. And um, I'm wondering now what's next for your research. What are you looking at now? So now we're uh, looking, at, looking at a range of different things, uh, but uh, try, try, still, try, I still don't really understand how much nature people experience. So I've got another study that came out uh, that shows that 
of measurable nature experience, such as time in gardens and times in parks, 75% of the total time spent by our survey population, was nature was experienced by just 36% of the population. So, so many people are not getting uh, very much nature exposure at all. And it's understanding how uh, this nature, how, how much nature people actually experience in their lives and then linking this to that then exploring the health benefits of this ah okay so th- this is a case in which the, you know people may live in the area um but f- you know for one way or another perhaps you know leaving their front door and heading directly to a vehicle uh they're not actually being exposed precisely yes yeah. so i mean so like parks for example are available to all but very very small a surprisingly small percentage of the population actually use them Whereas, uh, like gardens are more accessible, uh, but again, it's like just trying to understand exactly kind of how much nature people experience. And, and you know, it also seems like there are other uh, potential implications too. You know, I'm thinking about um, you know heavily planned structures for uh, you know shopping, where uh, traditionally it's been in you know at least in the U.S. it's been indoor malls uh, was for many decades. Um, you know, which obviously one is exposed to very little nature inside those, but an outdoor facing uh, park with some greenery in the planning, um, you know, would would obviously have rather different effects. Yes, uh, totally. We're all, well. We're also looking at the dish distribution of uh, of well-being benefits, like the relative importance of different different areas. I did just see a couple of days ago that China's now, uh, I mean, because their, their cities are really polluted, they're now pushing green buildings. They're planting a lot, a lot of trees on buildings to help try and help clear up smog problems. And we'll obviously look forward to the outcomes of that research as well. Uh, Dr. Cox, thank you very much for joining me today. Okay, thank you very much. And that concludes this episode of Bioscience Talks. Just a reminder, the journal Bioscience is published by Oxford University Press on behalf of the American Institute of Biological Sciences and is made possible by the support of our members and donors. Thank you and talk to you next time.